In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sexy and Squirrel podcast, the podcast that gives you real life dog training results and I think human training results because today I am joined by the wonderful Justin. He's a superstar and he's a great friend of mine. I was about to say a friend. I I wanted to add great. He's a great friend of mine. and I know uh, here at Absolute Dogs, you've become for sure a bit of a resident, like you're a resident podcaster with me because you've you've definitely done a a good few now. And and actually, Justin, people love hearing from you. And I think today is going to be even better than ever. So welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you doing? Well, first of all, again, thank you for the great introduction. Awesome seeing you. And uh, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? Today has been an amazing day and a day to be grateful. I, I, I know we've just been quickly catching up beforehand and uh, abundance and um, gratitude, uh, feeling in a great space and just wanting more of this brilliant life that we get to live. So, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for about what we're about to talk about, Justin, because I know we've only had really brief interactions on this, so we don't yet know what each other are going to say, which I think is really exciting. But the questions that we have, I think. I think they're moving. I think they're on topic. I think they're certainly fitting with the climate. I think that they can hit for reaching and moving dog training. And I think they can hit for reaching and moving us as as great human beings and changing the world. So so where are we going to start? So 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 let me back up a little bit here. I will just say I'm as excited about this as you are, because this is one topic that we have not hit on at all yet. And I'm so excited to talk about this. So I think let's start with kind of the kind of the, I don't want to say negative, but kind of the the downside and work our way up. So like, you know, let's talk about bad advice we've gotten. How does that sound? I think let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. Because I think, I mean, especially because I've worked in major corporations all the way down to super small companies, you've started businesses. So have I, you've worked in a litany of industries and I know that you've been given bad advice and I know I have, and it's fun. I think sometimes it's fun to commiserate like that because (laughs) I'm sure they're going to overlap a little bit. And it's one of those things that's not only cathartic for us, but it's helpful to the audience so that they can feel like it's not just them feeling that way. Right. Absolutely. And I think that everybody um, is, is going to take heaps from this. I really, really do. So would you like me to start or do you want to go first? I think I'm going to say a gentleman first. And I think I'm going to say gentleman first. I just think that just mixes it all up a bit. So you go, Justin. All right. Well, first of all, 
Thank you. And uh, so I'll say that probably the first thing that I ever got was when I was 16 years old. I had my very first kind of what I consider like, quote unquote, real job where I was uh, working at a restaurant called Baggins and it was a sandwich shop. And my manager came in one day and said, listen, if you ever want to do anything in this world, do what I do. (laughs) And I, and it's just like, I'm like, well, what makes me, you think I want to be like you one and, and two, what? So I guess my very first point here is that the reason that was so bad for me was, you know, he was an older gentleman and he thought I wanted to, you know, my final job and not to disparage anyone that does this, but like, that wasn't my path in life to, you know, make sandwiches the rest of my life. This was a summer job, having fun, getting money for a car and everything else in high school. And he was so adamant that like, look, you know, if you really want to be somebody, you got to be just like me. And that whole summer, I did the complete opposite of everything he would do. (laughs) Now I didn't get invited back to the sandwich shop, but uh, it was one of those, it was the first time that I really felt like I was kind of let down by somebody because it was kind of, it was my first job and it was like advice that I couldn't do anything with. Does that make any sense? It literally makes so much sense. And all I can think of is uh, the Jungle Book and the the song where it's like, uh, I'm not going to sing because that is potentially going to go out to way too many people. But it's like, <laughs> like you, I want to walk like you, talk like you. And then you're like, ooh, ooh, ooh. like I could just hear it. Like I could Baloo just. Baloo song. Yes. <laughs> the lovely Baloo. And I can just sort of like jig along with you there. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> so I can just imagine you trying to walk like him, talk like him. And then like, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, it's just not your way. And and I completely agree. And I think there are so many, um, we'll, we'll have all experienced that to a degree. And actually some people sadly will have fallen into that trap, right, Justin, that they will have thought they needed to be that person because they not, aren't necessarily as confident or self-assured or um, decisive as to where they want to be. And I think that's quite sad um, because uh, as funny as it sounds, like you and I would certainly be there going, no, 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 no. Other people might not have that, right? A hundred percent. And I, and I guess the way I would look at this too is be selective in what you take as advice, right? Because it's funny to me, so many people want to give advice, which I think is great, but be selective on if you accept that advice or not. I think that's brilliant. And I I heard a quote earlier, actually, and it might be a bit too deep for here, but you know what? I'm going to try it anyway. And I really, really, really liked it. Um, I'm going to see if I can find it quickly. But basically, it was it was kind of in relation to, I definitely sent it to someone. I'm just going to just, oh, it's so annoying when you can't find what you want to find. I hate um, that. But yeah, you hate, I, I need to organize my photos and my quotes better. That is for sure. But basically, um, the sentiment of it was, actually um, be a little bit more guarded about um, who you give your energy, when you give your energy, where you give your energy and and who you take advice from, because ultimately these all become massive influences in, in who you are and what you're about and actually decide whether, whether that's actually what you want. And so many times um, I'm still looking so many times and we might think it's what we want, but actually um it, it really isn't what we want and and so yeah for me that's a really powerful powerful uh powerful state of play i am so gonna find this um i know you are you look diligent so finding it my my definite i'm just thinking about mine um because just i gonna ask um i do think there's quite a few i mean i i absolutely love my parents like i really love my parents but one of the things I would definitely say from, from my parents is that I'm still finding this. I'm so finding this. 
Um, one of the things I would definitely say for my parents is that they're very risk averse and they're very, very cautious and they are very, very um, oh, potentially very pessimistic, Justin. And because they are so pessimistic and at times risk averse and at times I would say potentially fearful, I think that can stop you having problems. And I say some of their advice would be really think about it, really take time, don't rush into things, uh, don't do things in a hurry, uh, consider everything, make sure you like calculate everything and really think hard on everything. And actually for me... I would guess that that isn't good advice, actually. And, and on the whole, some of my very best decisions have been made in a rush. And some of my very um, best moments have been like just doing that and just going, yeah, that is what I'm doing. Here we go. This was this quote from a minute ago. I'm very cautious awesome. now who has access to me. It's not about arrogance. It's not about the need to continue. Sorry, it's not about arrogance. It's about the need to continue to protect space and energy as I continue to do the work to elevate myself. This chapter requires me to be a little less accessible. And I do think there's a place for actually not having certain people give you advice and not having certain people have leverage over what you're doing. So, for example, what you're saying there on, on that guy, that guy probably didn't need to be your influencer. And you were strong enough to say he's not my influencer, but some people aren't strong enough to say that isn't my influencer or that isn't the person that um, I should be working with accessing or whatever else it, it might be so I, yeah it was just a, a quote that I saw and I was like yeah you should be guarded about who has access to you and you should be guarded about who you have conversations with and you should be like not, not like you should be aware of them 100% I could not agree more and I would also say that like one of the things that happened recently I'd say like three four years ago when I was working at Disney one of the best like worst advice like the best worst advice i ever got was we were doing this whole spin-off of taking the sports away from fox and disney it was this whole weird thing because espn and fox all these weird rights things and anyways so we we're in this huge meeting with these top executives all the vps vice presidents presidents everything of the company there and the advice i got in i mean right at the door was don't speak unless spoken to and I stood at the door and I'm like, have you met me? <laughs> like, first of all, I get paid to give advice. So that's not going to happen. And two, that is the worst thing. So the very first thing I did in spite, maybe not the smartest thing I've ever done, but in spite of that, I walked in and the very first comment made, I'm not going to bring it up here because I'm sure it, it's still closed because this is a closed meeting, but I challenged it right off the bat. I said, this is not something that we should be doing right now. And this is why. And it was so funny because the leadership team looked at me and said, that's why we bring people like that in. They're free. You know, we pay them for advice. They give good advice. They give the understanding of it. And they tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah no, it just felt like a victory lap. I really love it. And I think. I think that's the biggest thing um, that we we are both self-assured and, and, and probably strong enough to be able to go, yay, yay, nay. And I think there's a lot of people that aren't necessarily completely comfortable with that. Um, I know, for example, like the example I just gave you, my parents, it's very hard for a lot of people to go against parents' advice. Like my parents, my dad, for example, Eight years ago, um, lots of people have been to Bowland Cottage Holidays, our home, and, and we run a, a cottage holiday centre. And uh, there were two old um, barns that were 
dilapidated and, and, and needed work. And they came on the market. And my dad said, do not touch them. Like, do not touch them. They're just a money pit. Like, do not touch them. And so anyway, we left them alone. And then um, some lady bought them, actually. She had husky dogs. She had many husky dogs, like eight husky dogs. And um, and this was like just up the road from us. And my dad, she rang and she was like, have you guys got electric? And have you guys got water? Because I'm going to need to leverage off it. And my dad was like, oh, my God, you should have bought that place. You should have bought that place. What was I thinking? What were you thinking? You shouldn't have listened to my advice, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, dad, (laughs) he was in Greece. He was having a lovely time. And someone turned around in our car park. And I looked at, and and those people who've been to Devon Dogs and and Bowerland, you'll know it's quite a big car park. And they turned around and I quickly like went over and I was like, can I help you? Because it's weird when someone drives into your car park because it's it's our home, like it's a gated home. So, um, so I said, can I help you? He said, I'm looking for the barns that are for sale. And I was like, barns for sale. I was like, there's no barns for sale here. He was like, there's definitely some barns for sale. I was like, I've not seen any barns for sale. Anyway, to cut a long story short, the lady with the huskies had pulled out and the barns were back on the market for sale. And I was like, right, guys, whatever we do, we literally need to pull everything together. We need to buy these barns. We are not having... Uh, like crazy like 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 a neighbor like someone owning like nine huskies and then living on the same like really small like it's a very small area I was like these are going to be cottage holidays anyway (laughs) people that know the center they're now called Dartmoor Inn and and Torbew they're beautiful and they are part of um, the center the story and the moral of the story I suppose is that when I rang my dad and I was like I'm really sorry dad I've gone over your head and, and we've bought these like we're going ahead and we're buying them he was like thank goodness for that what bad advice I was giving you. I was giving you terrible advice. I was just scared. I didn't want you to be ripped off. I didn't want you to, to, to lose all your money. I just wanted to look after you. And in trying to look after you, I actually screwed up. And I love that, like, that we sometimes, someone else's fear, whether that's fear for us or whether that's fear for themselves or that's fear for just fear's sake, can take over sensible decision-making. And actually, it was a really sensible decision. They are, like I said, they're very, very, very happy little um, units that people come to stay on holiday with us. And it's it's a really special space. And yet, if my dad had had his way, we would never have bought them. And he probably would have regretted it forever. Like, he's one of these guys, Justin, that regrets things. And he says things like, oh, I just, I really regret that. I will never forget that. I will always regret that. And I'm like, come on, dad. So yeah, for me, a little bit of storytelling there, but but I definitely know that is a biggie for me. Like no regrets. Don't take someone else's advice when you really have a strong gut feeling. That for me was bad advice. And my strong gut feeling was go and buy the cottages. You want the cottages. They're going to be a great asset to the, to the training center. Why on earth would you not have the cottages that people can come and stay in? That's a stupid move. And for me, it just made logical sense. So go with your gut and don't necessarily listen to someone else's. A hundred percent. And I, that is a fantastic story, um, you know, multiple levels, uh, just to kind of buttress your point and make you feel even better. Years ago, there was a book written called Blink. Have you ever read it? No, I haven't actually. I have heard of it though. You know, I've heard of it when I've like been going through like, you know, when they've got those, like, you should listen to these 10 audiobooks, and I have not listened to the 10 audiobooks, So, uh, I, I have heard of it for sure. So I think it's by Malcolm Gladwell and you absolutely should listen to it or read it, whichever you guys choose. Um, basically the premise of it is, is that they do all these studies and it goes exactly to what you were saying there in terms of best decisions are made without a lot of deliberation there go with your gut and almost every time you'll be right. It's really interesting. And they do all, I mean, study after study after study, and it's fascinating how cool it is. I love that. I really do love that. And 
And only yesterday, actually, I was interviewing and there were two really great guys I was interviewing. And one of them, I just had a very strong gut feeling that he was a great guy. And uh, I appointed him. And again, I don't know if it's right or it's wrong, but my gut said, that's what you do. So I, I love that. I think it's great. Good stuff. High five, Justin. High five. High five all the way. Yes. yes. I was actually just about to do that. So I'm kind of bummed you beat me to it, but don't worry. I'll, I'll come back <laughs> at you there. So with that in mind, since we've given kind of a, a few examples of some kind of bad advice, let's talk about some good advice we've gotten. What do you think? Yeah. No, I think that sounds great. And I am definitely going to kick off because I've got one straight away, Justin, that is because I've been discrediting my poor father, I think I should now credit him. And um, he has has definitely uh, given me some great advice. And, and I've had times recently where I've been like, oh, I made like, th- this is going so well. Like, this is going really well. Or dad, this is terrible. Like this is really terrible. Um, and I've had a few times like that where something's been really good or really bad, like really great really terrible um i'll give you a terrible example um we've been building and uh it's just gone really terribly like there's been things that have gone really terribly like not to plan or cost way more than they should have or it's just been terrible or an example of something that's been really good i've been doing fantastically my competitions the dogs have been top form i've won loads of events i've loved it and i've had this moment of just being so ecstatic that i want it to last forever and I've, i've talked to my dad about this and my dad said The thing is, Lauren, when things are going great, you need to savor them and enjoy them and literally taste that moment and remember that moment and uh, like print it in your in your memory and and enjoy it because ultimately it doesn't last. And as much as you and, and I can give you the example, and I know that lots of our listeners will love this. Blink is a fantastic little dog. She is the she is a, a life-changing dog for me. She is the best little dog. I compete with her. She gives her heart and soul. I look at her and this dog is human. Like she is human. <laughs> and my little dog is nine. And at nine years old, Justin, I know that there's an end to this agility career, right? There's an end. I see it. Whereas I never saw it when she was three or four or five or six. And my dad says, relish it, enjoy it, save the moment. It doesn't last. And still enjoy it. And then when stuff is really terrible and really bad and I am like, I'm pulling my hair out. This is really hard and it should not be this hard. And he says, Lauren, take it in and learn from it and it will not last. So whether it's good or whether it's bad, you need to take that moment, take the lesson or or love the moment. And then you realize that it will pass. And in every situation, it will pass. So whether it's bad or whether it's good, um i felt the pain of of holding my nan's hand as she takes her last breaths and you know what those those pains they pass and in the moments of like elation and joy and celebration and excitement and winning and being at crafts and being at top events and being in the best spaces ever those moments also pass and so whether it's good or whether it's bad it will change so enjoy it or learn from it you know what the lesson's there that's incredibly insightful. I think it's beautiful and very uh, deep, right? Because it's one of those things that's it's very true. And it, I think everyone can experience those things, right? Um, uh, so I'm going to stick kind of with the business theme on my end, and then I'll probably end on one of my parents' uh, things. But so one of the best advice I ever got was when I was just starting my career and I was working uh, in the entertainment industry and I was going to meet at Warner Brothers 
um, to talk about Friends and Frasier at the time, the show. And my boss was named Mark Provisero. So it's a shout out to you, sir. Uh, sat me down before I walked in there and he goes, what are we going to do in this meeting today? What are we here for? And he was asking me to make sure that I understood so that we could work as a team, right? And he said, and when I paired it back to him, what we're supposed to be doing there, and he goes, look, the second advice I want to give you is talk less, listen more. These guys love to talk about themselves. Let them talk, add to their story, interject when appropriate, but let them go and you will learn a ton. They've been in the business for 50 years. Go for it. And not only was that advice so sound, I still carry it through to this day because I realized that although I love to talk and I love to be on the stage and, and do my piece, I also have a place to learn, right? Because if I'm talking, I can't learn, right? I mean, I'm just espousing whatever I believe or my thoughts or anything like that. And so that advice to this day has still held me like on this great path. And I, and I still obviously cherish that. And it was something literally, it was maybe a 30, 40 second conversation, but it still holds weight on me today. Super high five on that one. Five. And I, I completely agree. Uh, something I'm working on. I definitely find it. <laughs> oh, I'm always working on it. Don't worry. You have I perfected that? No. You and I definitely have have an area to keep working because we loved it. But we're both like, we've got so much to to share. And I, I love that about what we do. Well, thank you. So what other good advice have you got? So other good advice I've got, I suppose when I was... 11 I worked in a pet shop and as an 11 year old I had lots of jobs actually I walked dogs I did a paper round and I worked in a pet shop and in the pet shop I was always told I was really good at um like working with people and I was their top like little pet shop salesperson like I was really good at like um the people I loved I loved the people and uh, I remember um when chatting and and when speaking and, and saying just 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 generally talking he was like always live your passion always give your passion always do your passion always um work within your passion Lauren because he's like you can tell that you are so fantastic with dogs and people and um animals and you love you love what you do and he said if you always stick with your passion you'll never spend a day at work and I would absolutely agree with that I've always well maybe like the odd couple of blips I I did a law degree I'll say that was a blip (laughs) (laughs) I was a school teacher and I'll be honest that was also a blip not because of anything negative or or bad I've got nothing bad to say about the law um sort of world or or the teaching um, space I mean education is an amazing space they just weren't my passion areas in terms of working in a school system or working in a legal system Uh, the word system probably makes it um null and void for me straight away there's too much system um exactly creativity and so for me whatever your passion may be whether that is education or um for me helping people find their 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 passion and pursuing passion and, and working with dogs and uh, for me I actually think we we pursue passion even more than we work with dogs I love working with dogs but I think it's about finding your passion and making your fire and and working through that too when you find your passion and you are working within your passion you will never ever find yourself in a job and so for me I heard that when I was 11. I wish I'd stuck to it because I would have not done the law degree and I probably would have avoided a few things, but you know what? I've, I've always come back to passion. And, and even when mum and dad and, and people like that have gone, you're doing what you're going to work with dogs. You're actually crazy. How are you throwing your career away? 
living and working within your passion is always the right answer. I could not agree more. And I think that's beautiful. So high five back at you for that one. Woo! Look at the energy. <laughs> well, there's always energy there. That's what makes it so great. Um, so I think my final one for me comes from my grandfather, just in terms of good advice uh, before we transition to mentoring is that, so as a kid, he was kind of that guy that I always looked up to. He, my grandfather was in like World War II. He was in Battle of the Bulge. He freed Bastogne. Like it was all these neat things that he did. Um, and I was lucky enough at one point to trace his steps through like when he landed on Normandy all the way through where he ended in Dachau. And it was just a neat experience to go through all these cool experiences with him and hear his side of it and everything. And one of the coolest things he ever told me was that he, when they were out and they were stuck somewhere and they couldn't get anything done, um, and their 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 mechanic in the the tank was an alcoholic, and the way he he had to be drunk in order to fix things, but they couldn't. There's no alcohol anywhere because everything was bombed. So they gave him, I think it was jet fuel or something. <laughs> like and they didn't have jets back then, you know, airplane fuel or whatever. And they gave it to him to drink, and and of course he didn't last much longer after that. But he fixed the tank, and they were able to move on. <laughs> <laughs> and what he told me what with that thing was he goes justin always look for opportunity where others you know don't see it right because most people would look at that and say there's an alcohol what are we going to do when in reality it was the, look for what's around you and use that to get you to where you need to go and i still go by that model today and i mean and by this story you can still it makes me smile and i just can't imagine being stuck in this horrible situation where you're surrounded by nazis and all these bad people and you're going to die if you stay there and you have to give some poor guy <laughs> jet fuel <laughs> to get your tank to fix. So anyways, and just being resourceful in that regard. And so I always keep that anytime I'm stuck or anytime I feel like I'm at a place where I just don't know if I can. I mean, how can I say I can't after I hear a story like that? Right. Never, never, never. And so for me, that's kind of the, like, from a family side, that story sticks with me this day. And I always, I tell my kids about it and they always giggle. They're like, wait, 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 is that guy still alive? I'm like, I don't, I don't think he lived a real long time. <laughs> he was guzzling fuel, <laughs> but he saved grandpa. That's all that matters. That is the important, the moral of the story is. The moral of the story is don't drink jet fuel or whatever kind of airplane fuel they use back then and uh, be resourceful. Be resourceful. Yes. <laughs> what is your other one, Lauren? Again, sometimes it comes from me through through what I, I I find that I've seen in a negative sense, but I've also seen it in a real positive sense. And and a couple of, of sort of mentors and friends of mine, and this it wouldn't be one specific example. It would probably be an amalgamation of lots of examples. Here is taking the mindset of abundance rather than the mindset of scarcity. So um, when in doubt, um, find find abundance, find something to be grateful for, finding a um, moment to um, say gratitude is there. And that would be lots of just so many different examples. I can't think specifically of one, but but so many and so many humbling moments where where people um, and again, like one or two examples I couldn't really give, but um, just from from. Um, being confidential but where people have had really humbling difficult times and have stepped out of them and been 
so grateful or humble uh, and I think that for me is uh, it always reminds me of all of the things that we get to be grateful for and all of the things we get to be appreciative of and I think in this in the society we live I think there's so much entitlement and there's so much um, expectation and when we trade that expectation for appreciation or gratitude it changes the whole flavor of what we're doing um, whether that for me is in dog agility and training dogs and working with dogs or whether that is just in my day-to-day um, I think uh, another great lesson for me would be just taking a moment to appreciate someone else's day and, and, and taking a moment to appreciate someone else's day might be really tough and actually where we can um, showing gratitude showing appreciation showing abundance rather than showing anything else um, I, I think that's that's massive and like I said I've got I have got two or three examples there, but I just don't think they are the right ones to share for for confidentiality. Um, but I think that um, I, I, one one client and just she lives a really tough life. She lives a really tough life for physical reasons. Really, physically, she's really um, struggling. Um, and um, I was I was at a chiropractor's actually the other week, and I, I I was also there with a guy who was really physically struggling. He was in a in a chair, and um, he's got um, think it's cerebral palsy and he basically really struggling and I kind of like a part of me wanted to feel bad and and like like want to help him or want to do something and and the guy um that that treats me the car is like don't you dare ever like feel sad for him he is so grateful to be here and he's so humble and he's so strong and he is so abundant in his mindset that he needs you to do that too and I, I think I have multiple examples of that around me and that just reminds me appreciation, gratitude, and um, living uh, in every moment and uh, with appreciation. I think that's beautiful. And I think it's a, an awesome example. And I think it's a great transition as we start talking about like great mentors that we've had in our lives, right? So I think we've named a few here, but I, I'd sure. like to add to that list. So um, I'll kick it off real briefly here and I'll say kind of an odd one, but I've, I've really thought about this one because it's it's probably going to sound weird to some people, but I, I think it applies to dog world too, in some ways, like my kids, which, and it could probably apply to dogs as well, are unbelievable mentors in life. And in fact, I'll, I'll even transition that and say, uh, one of my very first dogs we ever had when Kelly and I got married was named Maddie. He was a black lab and he ended up dying. He had jaw cancer and we had to put him down, uh, when he was like five years old. But I remember the day that we did it, I took him to the park and he was still just like happy as could be, even though, you know, he's coughing up blood and stuff like that anyways. And he's running with the kids, having a great time. And I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> Like, what an unbelievable, like, yeah, I mean, just, it, it was so incredibly moving to me. And I still get like almost here thinking about it. Like he, I mean, till the very last moment he was like the happiest and just such a great joy in our lives. And I think, and I, I know you feel this way about lies and stuff like that, but like kids are such a great example because like my daughter always says the craziest, just the one lines when I'm worried, she's like, dad, what are you talking about? You know, she'll just pause there and go, why would you say that? And then she started, you know, she's kind of like mentoring me through some stuff. I'm like, dang girl, you're amazing. And, you know, my older son and my youngest son all are there and the way they approach life has given me a different outlook in many ways because they all approach it differently. And yet it's always in a positive light, even when they're struggling, they're just motivating in some way, like watching them work through their struggles. Like, like my older son is like hates math, 
but he refuses to give up on it. And the other day he reached out and he said, dad, can you get me a math tutor? Dude, you're 12. High five. You're asking for help at age. I wouldn't have done that. I was, I would be too ashamed at that age. Like it was so inspiring that he had such confidence in himself to say, look, I know I'm not good at this, but I need to get better. So let me get help. And so I would just say between all those examples, family, just in general, whether it's through your pets or through your kids or whatever, is just a great, for me, a huge inspiration and a huge, I don't know, joy that keeps propelling me forward. Amazing. And and I would second that with um, so many of our listeners will know about Brave, uh, my border collie who had her, her spinal accident. I think yeah. for me the learning and the growth from that and the her as a coach or a mentor or just something that for me, I, I, whilst I was mourning and crying and complete mess, to be honest, about watching a dog lose their ability to move, for, for her, she was like, I'm up, I'm going, I don't care if I've got a wee whilst falling over, I'm still alive, I'm, I'm like literally... The zest for life is incredible. And if you threw a ball, she'd be trying to get a ball. I didn't throw a ball, but if you, <laughs> she would have tried too. And for me, watching her try was pretty incredible. Like watching her move and learn and relearn and not watching at any point her have any, yeah, she didn't have anything that wasn't, that wasn't like, I'm up for this. Every point she said, I'm up for this. And at every point, like you said, there was no like for me and and they just live in the present. And so for me, Brave absolutely one massive, massive, massive inspiration to watch how present an animal is and how living in the moment they are and, and how they adjust and adapt so quickly. Like one minute I can walk, the next minute I'm paralyzed, life is good. Like literally no sort of um, judgments or, or, or pessimism or like just nothing. They're just, they're just in the moment. They're just happy. And I love that about her. And then the same really, Eliza, like just um, the light of our life. Like she is the funniest, um, quirkiest. Like I ask her to go back to the house to get something. She gets on a hoverboard and she hoverboards over to the house. And I'm like, dear Lord, where does she get these ideas from? I mean, you literally watch and and she's creating like different ways of moving and different ways of like transporting things around the yards and um, getting on the horse bareback. And they've got so much courage and so much spirit. And I suppose the carefreeness of, of children is always nice to see. The playfulness. I love watching them play. I love watching... Um, Eliza and any of her friends um, play games or um, mimic or karaoke. or And I love that honesty. So uh, a friend of mine said the other day, she was making a dip. It was Michelle. Lots of the game changers know Michelle. She's one of our trainers here at the, the Dog Training Centre uh, at, so at home, Devon Dogs. Um, and she, uh, like she said to Eliza, so how was my dip? Uh, and Eliza said, well, yeah, it's nice. It's not your best dip. And ah. it's good. It's still good. And I love that. I love their raw honesty. Like they don't say anything. There's no malicious behavior there. There's no edge to it or there's no side to it. She is 10. And yet I love that. Like it was really good. And yet it's not your best. And it's still really nice. Like I just love that. Like ah. just so cute. so cute. Like and so genuine. And so she's like, I think maybe too much mint and could have a little more chili. Like. What do you say? 
you just enjoy it. That's what you do because your response is, is fantastic. Like, that's what I do. Like my daughter, we were at the beach last week and out of nowhere, we were going down the beach. She just did backflips for like 20 of them in a row. And I'm like, Bailey, like, you know, like, who does that? Like, you know, it's, I can't do a backflip. And it was just fun to watch. Like we're going to walk. And to me that just, that meant walk. But to her, that was all right. Time to do some backflips. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And I would say uh, kind of uh, to keep it in kind of that same vein in terms of like great other mentors I've had, probably the best one I've personally ever had in like in the work environment um, was this guy named Richard Hart when I worked at Raytheon. And he was this guy who plucked me out of obscurity. I was working on this program. I was kind of a low-level person. And he and I, I stayed after a meeting one day and I said, look, you know, I just love the way he answered questions. People came to him for everything. And I said, look, would you mind if we met like once a month? And I just want to pick your brain because I just think you're crazy smart and I'd love to learn from you. And he looked at me and he goes, I've worked here 35 years. No one has asked me that question. I'll meet with you weekly. So we set up a one hour a week. We did lunch every Friday for, God, at least two years. And he was part of the reason I was successful there. He got me all these unbelievable opportunities that I would have never had otherwise. I learned so much about him and his job and like what he did to get ahead. And I, I parroted that a lot in my life. And it was just so much fun because I, you know, it was so, I mean, it was terrifying to me because I was, I'd been there like three weeks, four weeks. And there's this guy who'd been at 35 years. And, but I was just so fascinated because I remember like they, everyone asked him questions. Like he was this guy, I had no idea what his job was. He was chief engineer on this program um, uh, called AMRAM, but no one, I didn't know that at the time. And it just everyone respected him everywhere I went. No one had a bad thing to say about him and they all seemed to love him. And I was like, well, I got to get to know this guy. So that to me, so Richard, thank you. And uh, to this day, it obviously resonates with me. I like it. No, I really like it. And I, I suppose similarly, um, and this will hit people here with reward-based training and reward-based learning and, and making sure it's fun for the learner, whether your learner is a dog or a human or a, a 10-year-old child. Um, it literally, uh, and they, they, they're in their own category. Um, literally, for me, this one was big. And I, I really wish I could remember his name. I don't remember his name. I don't remember, I don't remember how it happened, but I do remember it was life-changing for me was we were at a teaching seminar and there were many guest speakers. We were doing our PGCE, which is a postgrad in um, Certificate of Education. And this guy came in and he was like really energetic. And he was like, the way you teach is you need reward-based learning. You need reward systems. You need to make sure you deliver what the children need. You need to get them on board. You need to get them earning. You need to get them literally on your team. And I remember thinking, this guy sounds like he's got our wavelength, like he's he understands it. And I came out of that realizing that all classes and all students and all people, we needed to get everyone on the same side. We needed to get everyone playing together. We needed to make learning fun. We needed to make learning energetic. We needed to make sure that learning had everyone on board. And so we would, um, in my classes, we would do point systems. We would do point earning. At the beginning of the term, they would decide what the points meant. So 10 points could mean half an hour free time or 20 points could mean um, they could go out and play football or 50 points could mean we all got Domino's pizza. You know what? They got to dictate what the points would mean. It could mean donuts. It could mean um, party time. It could be movie time. It could be me bringing in a dog to play with them time. Like literally they dictated the points. So it was the class's team effort. 
so that when things were good, I'd be like two points, two points, two points, two points, and there'd be a points table going all the time. When things were bad, you could still freeze the points or take away points, or you could really juggle it and, and mess about with it a little. Or you could be looking and being like, <clears throat> points and time and what are you up to? So you had a lot more leverage and you had a lot more learning. Now, when school teachers would walk past my classroom, I was a school teacher for about four or five, no, three, four years, not a long time. And they'd be like, I would go to the bathroom or something like that. And you'd hear these classes rioting, like literally it was like crowd control because I was at quite a big uh, inner city school and not a school where it was so easy to crowd control, right? Like it was difficult to yeah. crowd control. And, and often that's what you're doing as a teacher. You're crowd controlling, you're not teaching. And then you would walk past my class and they would be like doing projects and they would be doing like teamwork and they would be doing uh, presentations and we'd have great writing and we'd have great conversation and we'd have great debates. And they'd be like, what the hell is this sorcery, this wizardry? <laughs> that goes on in L10. Like, what is this? Like, literally. It's witchcraft. They literally, <laughs> this is sorcery. This is wizardry. This is witchcraft. There is a witch in that room. Uh, and I'd be like, here I am. Uh, and so uh, it would be amazing. I literally loved it. And I was really lucky to have met that that um, reward sort of base learning and system and understanding very early in my teaching career. And it made teaching very fun. And it made me Miss Langman, who was really, really cool as a teacher and, and Miss Langman, who got the kids. Actually, if I'm really honest, um, the guy that mentored me, uh, he really got it. And I, I mimicked that because it works. And I'm so grateful I did. I love that even now, if I go to certain places, there'll be like someone going, oh, Miss Langman. And that's incredible, right? Like we're we're a good few years on from that and they'll still remember. And I came into teaching when I was like 21. So I was fresh into teaching and I'd be teaching 18 year olds. So it could be a weird age group because you're teaching like 11 to 18 and you're only 21. So you're just kind mm-hmm. of out of years, which is a strange place to be because the hierarchy there isn't quite there. So you have to do it in a different way. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I'm really grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for that learning and what amazing mentorship like to, to have that. That's unbelievably cool. I mean, seriously, that's that's neat. That's one of the sides, you know, I mean, we've known each other for a while that I don't get to hear a lot of. So it's a fun story to hear about. So thank you. No, it's really cool. I mean, we've we have a blast, Justin, and this is not the sort of stuff we normally talk about. And I think that people could relate all of this to dog training. They could relate the fact that uh, Bailey, your daughter, went back flipping down the beach or uh, me with the bathroom uh, of students behaving really beautifully through effectively positive reinforcement. I think that all of these things, adventure, fun, abundance, and um, a mindset of gratitude is what we're really talking about, right? Like all of these things are things that we've been lucky enough to experience. Um, At worst, we know them. At best, we get to do them again and again and know them so much more and share them, right? Like that's, that's really cool. It's unbelievably cool. And I, you know, as we wrap up here, I want to say I'm very grateful for our friendship and everything else that we have. So I want to say thank you personally from me to you. Yeah, no, me too. I'm back at you. Let's do a final high five. Woo! We are good at That this. was a good one. I feel like we actually connected. That yeah, we, we missed a couple of them. We got it. The fourth okay. one is the charm. So yes. Connection in, in, in space and time. So that was this episode. May I thank you, Justin, for joining us um, once again. It's not the end. It's just the beginning because I know that there is so much more to come and, and there's lots of brilliant stuff that so many people have said how much they enjoy the podcast. So, so yeah, there, there is so much to come. So that was this episode. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Lauren. 
And join us next time. It's going to be incredible. There's so much more, whether this is dog training, coaching, learning, leaning in, and, and so much more. This episode of the Sex in a Squirrel podcast. And remember, stay sexy. He's got it. Woo! Stop right there, Game Changer. We have something very exciting to tell you about if you struggle with stressful walks right now. So pulling, your dog yanking your arm out of its socket, just basically, it's painful, right? Now, it's a struggle that you want to transform. You want to go from pulling on lead like a train to loose leash walking prince or princess, and we've got a solution for you. It is just £27. It's a mini course that literally is going to be your zero to hero of loose leash walking. Day by day, we're going to be showing you the games and skills and strategies that you are going to need to implement to transform your dog's leash behavior in the next two weeks. This is a complete package. You get to keep it for life, yes, for life, and it's just £27 to you. Access it anywhere, keep it for life, no equipment required, and all you've got to do is go to absolutedogs.me forward slash stop pulling, and yes, it is just £27, Game Changers.